No, no. So, how so we don't have a, the 19 in South Africa yet. How does that affect your view of the car? I think this is where the conversation should start. To be honest, if you buy a new uh, old Defender at 500,000 Rand, which is kind of the price on a good low mileage um, Defender, right? 500,000, the price is kind of high at the moment, right? I would say that for 1.5 million Rand, if you're not a hardcore, like we're not fucking this thing up. We're driving it to Namibia, Henke's by, catching fish, coming back. We're driving Cedarbergs, those kind of things. I think your value for your money on the new Defender is better than the old Defender. And I don't know what you want to do with that information. Because I think you know my view on the old Defender. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I think for 500,000 Rand, the old Defender is not worth it. That's, a, that's an interesting, interesting but, comment. But, yeah. but we're talking about a 1.5 million rand car that performs as much as a Range Rover or G400 or any of these things. It's got speed, it's got luxury, it's got all the things you want to tow your boat to Clane William, to take your family to Hermanus. And when you go, and you just wanted to go to Sutherland, but the roads are washed out, I can still do it. But that's not your goal. That's what I'm saying. I don't think this is, if, if you took this on a four by four weekend, you would come back with half a million rands worth of damage. Where on my cruiser this weekend with the sides and the this and the prop and stuff, I, we could probably just hit it out with a hammer and we'd be fine. You know, I don't have that much damage on my car. If we compare, I mean, in that sort of price category, let's say we compare a, a 1.5 million rand luxury SUV. If yeah. I took my 200 series off-road, I'd also probably, it's also, I almost consider the 200 series a, a soft rotor actually in a way. What is the price on a, like a new 200? It, well, if you still could get a new 200. Yeah, so you can. I mean, the outgoing 200 is one point, it's about 1.5, just under 1.5. But interestingly, it's actually because there's such a demand, they actually even fetching higher prices. Yeah, but just yeah, so the, in the, just the tips on buying, buy a 200 now if you can. If you can find a good price on a 200 right now, buy it. In a year, it's going to be... That's what I did. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. 100%. No, 100%. No, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's going to go nuts now because the 300 is coming out, but the launch is only on August. Yeah, that's The launch, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's even going to hit. So they've canceled everybody's 200 orders. And they won't turn it into a 300 order because they don't know the price and they don't know what it's going to be. And that car could come in at two. Easy know. two bar. Um, and that thing is going to be technology ridden. Yep. I say that in a negative and, way. I mean, just as a matter of interest, I think they also come in, they're, they're dropping the, the, the 4.5 twin turbo V8 and they, they're coming out with a yes. 6, 3.3 yes. yeah. liter. Eco six. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's interesting. Just going to be good. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I suppose that would be a better comparison when that comes out the modern version of that sure. versus, versus if we're going to compare Defender with, with Land Cruiser yeah. in that sort of, in this kind of league, yeah. But interesting just in terms of the, of the price point um, at, at, in, in the 1.5 uh, league. I, look, through Defender's or Land Rover's history in my life, my personal, I, I do think that the Toyota 200 is going to probably give you, whether it's going to give you less shit, or more shit, I don't know, but you're going to definitely get a part easier. Right now, the first edition, you're going to probably struggle with parts, but I did not have a problem with it. It's, but I only did 2,000 kilometers, which doesn't mean much. Is the Grenadier out? No. 
it's not, but not the very interesting stuff that's coming. A, that's, yeah. a, that's a very interesting conversation, yeah. And I think we should bring it up because I think that, I think I haven't got my hands on it yet, um, working on it. Grenadier, how are you doing? Um, I just want to have a personal conversation with you for a second. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting one. I mean, if if I can just say, just yeah, from my you go for having being a Land Rover guy, I mean, I've had series vehicles. I've had my Defender that I had, the one that I was telling you about uh, that I had tears in my eyes, was actually still a 110 mm. before they even called it a Defender. Mm. They only called it a Defender when the Discovery came out yes. in 1990 because yeah. that was just a Land Rover. Um, so I've got a, I'm quite passionate about uh, Landys. Mm. Um, I work for Land Rover, yep. take into the bush and all, everything else. My only little criticism, I have not driven the new Defender in just aesthetics-wise. If I go into a showroom and I buy a, a Wrangler, it looks like a Wrangler, like a Jeep Wrangler. It, it's aesthetically, yep. it, if, no, I I go, if I go and buy a new G-Wagon and I walk into Mercedes, it looks like a G-Wagon. Yeah. If I walk into a Landy showroom and I look at the Fender, it does, doesn't look like a Defender. It looks like a Discovery, unfortunately. And that's, I just think this, personally, I know Landy, you're going to kill me for this, but I think there should have just been a little bit more follow on into the utilitarian look of what the Defender should actually be. That's, that's a little bit of the criticism just Re in terms of styling. Do you, do, you think they could have, do you think they should have retired the name and just called it something else? Such a strong name. You'd never, no, you no, would no. never retire that. But considering... Okay, but then you would still have to have, have a, you would still have to have a defender in your, in, 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 in your range. You have to look more like a defender. Can, can I just, uh, I would, I actually previously, before we started this, in my plan I had, it was going to be my defense, but it, I actually I ask a question. So behind us is a, a Mach 2 uh, Golf, right? So Mach 2 Golf, if, any, if none of you know then switch off the podcast. No, I'm kidding. It's an old golf. No, it's actually a two because we never had Mach 1s. Oh, okay. But yes, technically, if you want to talk about it in South Africa, some of these guys will sell that as a Mach 1, but we never had a Mach 1. Mach 1 was made in Germany. Um, a guy at a dealership in PE or some shit was like, we can make it, we can't sell it for that price. We can make it cheaper. And then they made the city. And the city became a South African built car and designed by this guy to make it cheaper, and that's that. And that's the Mach 2. Even possibly not even considered a Mach 2 if you talk about an international market, but that's a Mach 2. Now, you compare that to a 2020 GTI or just normal Golf, they look different. You either, is this a valid question? That's what I'm actually asking. You're a Mach 1 guy or a new guy, but it's still the same thing, it's still a Golf. I think that the market changed because, you know, the market in the 70s, in the 80s, yeah. in the 90s, I, the client of a, of a defender mm. wanted a defender yeah. because he wanted to use, have something simple, something. He doesn't need a, the, this, the, the, the seater that warms up. He doesn't need the, the, these. And that. He wants a, def, a defender. But I think that the, the, the goodwill of the defender, the the, the, the uh, how can I say the added value that the, the defender managed to create on its own actually attract a lot of people that are not interested in the real uh, identity of the defender, the meaning like a simple vehicle and uh, a vehicle for proper out the, for the off-road. But they, 
in a way they cash, uh, they monetize the, 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 the goodwill of the defender. And that's why I think he went into becoming almost like a, like a discovery or something that the majority of the market of 2021 will appreciate because they have, there is more people that can understand a luxury vehicle that has a name that reminds you of the Camel Trophy rather than a, a vehicle that I would be interested or you would be interested in which we know that is, we can fix it because we have the instruction manual and because the, you know. So I think that we know what the Fender is or was, but the market is, it is, is not going to monetize enough for the, for the people like me and you that we are probably going to look for something that is still but mechanical. So I think that's the reason why defenders change in that way because uh, of the market of, of the uh, market unfortunately the, the the thing and the unfortunate part is that the defender never evolved it stayed uh, the same it stayed the, the defender same, was stayed its the same. own then, worst enemy man and that was its problems we like the g-wagon evolved the wrangler evolved all the time i mean i remember starting with with um, when i started working with land rover in the in the mid 90s and they'd um, just dis discontinued the Defender of the United States because of health and safety yeah. and there were a lot of safeties. And they, talked, they spoke about the new Defender coming. And there was never a new Defender. The yeah. engines changed. There was a few Even with the heritage, they didn't do anything. They, didn't do they, anything gave, they put and, an airbag in. And, yeah, cool. and, that, and, that, and a cat. So it never really evolved. And now that was such, I think there's such a contrast between what the old Defender was and the new Defender. And I think that's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um. A lot of things coming up. Hey, but Albert. How are you doing? Hi, You've guys. been quiet tonight. Yeah, well... It's good to see you again. Thank you. Oh. Good to hear you. Miss you. Um, no, so I think the, you know, the heritage thing is very interesting because it, I think it's, it's similar to like when um, the Beetle and Mini and stuff came out with the new stuff. And initially, I think there was a lot of sort of apprehension towards them. But now, like, I, I think Mini's probably arguably done it better than Beetle. But Definitely, 100%. They're around, yeah. and you see it, and it's not, it's well, not a Beetle, Mini. I think the Beetle is discontinued. Well, there you go. Yeah. Whereas, and a Mini, it's not a Mini anymore, but it's still a Mini. It's not what a Mini was. And oh. So it'd be interesting to see where, where it goes in a few years, because in a generation's time, people are going to forget about, the new generation are going to forget about the old Defender or what it was. And I think what's interesting about that is two things. Is the one is that like the, what the market looks like these days. There's way more people driving SUVs for whatever reason, doesn't mean that they no, want no. to go off-road. And so they, no. I think they, they're appealing to that market. Um, and I think the other thing with making it so sort of technologically advanced, which everyone has to do, is it makes it much more accessible. Which is, like, I've got a, a mate who just got one, and he's doing tricks, trips regularly, and he's not like a, an experienced 4 by 4 guy at all, but having a car like that gives him the confidence to do it. Granted, if something goes wrong maybe he won't be able to fix it. But I made a note earlier because I think the, the funny part about that is that if you don't know how to fix it anyway, it doesn't help you. So you could have an old Defender, but if you don't take the time to figure out how to fix the shit that goes wrong, yeah. then it doesn't matter, what, it doesn't matter what, what car you have. I think most people that argue this actually don't know how to fix an old Defender anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or an old Wrangler or an old Land Cruiser. They're like, yeah, but what if the technology breaks? You're like... Do you know where your fucking carburetor is? Do you know what that even means? Do you know what your oil level is supposed to be? Like, no, most, I mean, we saw that with the, the bushcraft thing, yeah. uh, the bush mechanics thing. Yeah. People aren't that no, in depth I, with their cars anyway. So, so some people are jumping onto this bandwagon, that's why the not all shift. of them. But that's why the market yeah. shift to the Range Rover vibe, you know, they, yeah. you know, because they, they understood that the, that the amount of, of turnover that the people that know where to put their hands 
in a in a vehicle when it's broken it's so small that doesn't doesn't make sense to follow them yeah. and and that's why there are niche market like could be the bomb the the grenadier that from oh we're definitely going to come back to yeah, that grenadier to that, though you know that yeah. looks like it looks like if if they're going to create a, like a proper aftermarket like um, a cap, um, capacity of selling parts and like being a little bit everywhere and it's simple to fix because there is enough space in the in the, in the engine bay yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah. They probably can take over that small percentage of people left over that they were part of the old of the real defender heritage um, that are interest in filling a vehicle. We go back to what we were saying before, like you know, if something is about to go wrong and if it's mainly mechanical, you almost can you almost capable to anticipate it because you you feel it somehow, mm. a vibration and a different noise, the way in which a car. But when there is mainly electronic, you don't have that capacity of um, anticipating because yeah. electronic works and then suddenly puff. No, it's gone. Because you don't know what the hell's and going then, on. Yeah. So you know, it's it it's, it is normal that the new Defender is kind of a Range Rover yeah. because the market is. But there is still like a small per- percentage of 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 stubborn people that they want to they want to feel it. No. Can I can I exactly. sorry Rob uh, yeah. just quick we, yeah. before I uh, lose the track. The thing is that the old Defenders aren't going away. If you want, they're, th- just this in, they're just increasing in value. For now, I think. Yeah. The thing is, if you want an old defender, it's still there. So if you're an old defender guy, I don't think you need to have an issue with a new defender. No, I think sure. it, support the dudes that want new defenders. And I'm not saying I. I'm, I'm okay. Disclaimer: I'm not buying one, for sure, right? But the more guys that buy new defenders might actually reduce the amount of guys that are now trying to buy the old ones, drop the price to a realistic price again, and the old guys that want old defenders buy old defenders. I don't think it's competing markets. I think they have the same name. And the new one is actually going to help the name continue. It's going to keep that heritage going. What I would love to see... When you get into the car, it says, you know, you got to program it and this and that. But yeah, I get in the car, which I program now, and it says, welcome, just like Papa. You know, and like, it's awesome. It, it doesn't have such a sexy voice as that, by the way. Um, it, it just has a graphic. But the little Defender comes up, like a, a, a digital image on the dashboard. And I would have actually quite liked if they just put the old Defender graphic on the dashboard. It drives away, and then the new one drives into its way. I think that would have been such a little slick. Well, they're definitely using that in the advertising. I mean, if you look at if you look at some of the the visuals on on the on the yes on that on that. But I think in the car when you get in yeah. and you just say, but what's uh, oh this actually just transitioned me back to I think I don't know if it was a mistake, and Land Rover, if you're listening, it was brilliant or it was a mistake when the new Defender was almost launched. They did a software update throughout all the Range Rovers and Discoveries, all the ones with the digital displays. And the new Defender image came up on the dashboard. And I don't think, I don't know if they by accidentally updated with the wrong, well, I'm I'm saying like, I don't know. That would have been brilliant if it was, well, that is brilliant if it was real. That was, so guys woke up, one guy in Switzerland, one guy in LA, one guy in Tokyo, started their land, uh, Range Rovers and a Defender came up and that was I, if that was real marketing if they didn't make a mistake there because it, it got taken away like this in a second 
but people had little quick screenshots of it. They're like, what the hell is this? And it was the first image ever of the Defender came out on the screen of guys that were already brand loyal. That was brilliant. Yeah, so, so what I think that if you just had a little bit of a heritage, a little bit more heritage, but they do have a lot of heritage. Yeah, in look, and you know, you, the thing is, what, what's very interesting is that, I mean, having worked personally with, with Land Rover for, for so many years, is that there was always a generation that was very opposed to the, to the technological advancements that Land Rover actually came yeah, up yeah. with. Um, I always embraced it. I was actually always quite happy with it. And I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, when Discovery 2 came out, it was relying a lot on traction control. <laughs> And a lot of electronics yeah. and all the all the diehards were like, oh god, it's got way too way too fancy and all that. When the Freelander came out, it had hill descent control. No one else had hill descent mm. control. So I mean, Landro are very very innovative in actually coming out with modern technologies. And I mean, hats off to them. So yeah. I, mean, I think I agree. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and they've they've pioneered a lot of a lot of that sort of stuff. Can I quickly just remember this? Their hill ascent braking system. In, I think it was the Freelander was the first one or the Discovery. So you would double pump the brake, right? Remember, you had to press the brake in a little bit deeper and then it would have a hold. Now, that was hill start. Are you talking yeah, about Yeah, the hill, hill start. start. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Hill descent was a Not descent. Now I'm saying descent. ascent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now I'm saying, sorry, I'm just coming off that. Yeah. Remember, they had a little brake, but it was like a handbrake, but it wasn't. And sometimes it failed. And they had a bit of an issue back in the day. No, with a new one, and I don't have enough experience, it has the same thing without having to press the brake. It just stops. So you just let it go on a hill. I mean, we're talking about 45 degrees, and it's right there, and when holds. You when you transition from the brake to the accelerator, and it still holds you. Yeah. yeah. No, you just leave the uh, yeah. accelerator, this, and it just holds. And it's brilliant, except if you take your fucking seatbelt off. And I let go. This is on the new one. Okay. I, so it's a weird thing that you... They are innovative, but this is a problem they've had. And I know guys that had this problem and it just doesn't seem like they figured it out completely because if I'm on a hill, you're giving me a false idea that there's a handbrake, so I leave it. And then I just want to get out of my car to just quickly go check what's in front of me. And I take the hand uh, my safety belt off and then it disengages because it thinks you're now parked on a flat. Because why would the fuck would you take your seatbelt off yeah. on a hill? Because that's not what the car's made for. Take, if you could, could you? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I didn't it's just an interesting little that. thing that I see. So I think that we're still in the first edition right now. And I think they'll kind of figure these things out. Uh, I think they have a long way to go to properly get the, the love of the like Defender guys. You know, buy in. The full buy in of these guys. But... Mm. Uh, but you, but you know what, Thomas, coming, coming back to what you were saying about the old older defenders and the older defender guys going back to the old defenders yeah. versus the new. What, what's also interesting, unfortunately, I think, is that when they, on the last days of the, of the old defender, the upgrades that they were doing are predominantly just with engines, going mm. into the Pumas and everything else. But I suspect that the R&D, the research and development that they were actually putting in there, they weren't actually going to do because they knew they were coming out with a new Defender. Yes. So there was a big gap. And Massive the, gap. And the reliability at the, at the last end of the, of the Defenders. I mean, we're talking, I mean, Davida, we were talking about uh, TD5s going back into those things, which, were, which we kind of consider are the real, 
the real proper defenders, when we started getting into mm. the Pumas, the, the problem started coming because they were, it was a little bit too advanced for what the vehicle actually was. And they, I don't think they were actually pushing the R&D into that vehicle because they knew there was a new one yeah. coming. Um, oh, but yeah, interesting. Well, I just, like I said, I, I think that it's two different markets right now. I don't think the old school Defender guys need to be offended by the new Defender because it's not their car. They're going to stick with the old school guys. But the new one is going to give, and I'm leaving in reliability for the test of time. We, we, they haven't been out long enough. We've got, we've got it, yeah, we we've don't got know. Seen, they yeah. could be the best ever. And they would never break over a, a million trillion miles. Well, no car is like that. Sorry, I don't. No, no, so, I, I'm not, not because saying. I don't trust uh, the Fender or the, but because my experience, my small experience with motorbikes and car, and the more electronics, the more sensor you. No, have. no, no. I get you. I get you. You know, it, it's 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 obviously Land Rover also looking to new emerging markets yeah. around the world. Um, they've taken this vehicle into into a whole new category. Nice. I mean, I would actually be very excited to actually dr drive that vehicle. I was, and, and to be honest, oh, uh, actually backtrack on the whole story this is me again backtracking and forgetting something is i had a thanks davide thanks for the ice I, I i put my back out a while ago um so i mean you'll see me walk out here with a limp like i really uh, my back is shit right now and i did corrugated roads hovering and back dirt roads and shit comfortable mate and i'm not old but I feel old. My body is old. I did it super comfortably. Where this weekend, I did it in my Land Cruiser. My friend actually in Harfernet halfway gave me a little like orthopedic fucking sponge to put in my back because my I can't manipulate my seats. And now do just... Have springs? Do you have uh, leaf springs in the back? On the at the moment, I have leaf oh, springs, yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. I'm just okay, saying nice. that it's like and, and awesome, but I, I drove 2,000 kilometers or what? I, I, okay. Sorry, Defender, but uh, Land Rover, I went over the 2,000. But I drove that thing so comfortably. I could go to a golf. I don't play golf, but 100%, dude. I'm just saying that my dad or somebody like Judd from Deluxe can very easily take that car, replace their land, uh, land, uh, Range Rovers, but still be able to do at least 50 to 80% of the off-roading and overlanding that we can do. We're not talking about reliability and technology. That's something special that they've got that they can market. And they're not really marketing that, especially with a guy like Kingsley. Because you get a guy Kingsley and you're like, oh, you can do everything. But then you're, you're, you're gearing towards a market that wants to do the really hardcore shit. Mm. But to be honest, throw your golf clubs in the back drive up to fucking Lesotho and go play a game of golf there. I don't even know if, where the golf course is there is, but that's awesome. You can do Lesotho. You well, can do whatever in that car. It's, Thomas, it's, it's, it's a it's, weird market. It's not us, but well, I can see it. Well, in fact, I've actually, I've always had very utilitarian 4x4s. Yeah. And I've always kept them, I had them very, very simple. And I've been fortunate or make, done the most extravagant thing I've ever done in my life. And that's why I bought the 200 series. Yeah. I'm thinking... Let me see what the luxury part is like. I mean, mm. you, you jump into it's a nice, right? you jump into a two hundred series, you travel a thousand k's, and wherever you get to, you're feeling fresh as a daisy. And it's that, nice. It hasn't even got air suspension. That's yeah. actually got standard suspension, yeah. and it's getting back into that. Oh well, you can maybe 
tackle a little bit of luxury in terms of that type of thing as it's well. It's an interesting yeah. thing. So like, I, I mean, think I was talking about 70 series and I thought, well, oh, I was yeah. on my 80 series, I mean, I can drive thousand kilometers. And like you've got coil suspension on it all around. I've got the, yeah, yeah. I've got the idea. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I, I, it's, it's funny enough. It's, it's, it's more comfortable off-road, the 80 series. Yes. Than the, yeah. I mean, a thousand kilometers on tar. I arrived tired. Thousand kilometers on gravel. I'm like no fresh. Problem. I arrived fresh. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a on the 80 series. I didn't expect yeah. other other. And other. actually, the 100 series was that was when it, it, that was yeah. the little bit. Yeah, that was where the luxury started. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it's for me interesting. I, I wouldn't have a Range Rover if this thing was on the market. I wouldn't have a Discovery if this thing was on the market. I think their marketing might be a little confused, but I think that car is going to give guys the opportunity to go to some situation, play a couple of rounds of golf there, then drive to Niza, play a, round, a couple of golf rounds there, go up to a hunting farm, park their car, get into the Land Cruiser. <laughs> I think it's a comfortable car. Once again, I'm not going to buy it because what we want to do is we want to get to Nairobi. We want to maybe, you know, we want to push it and we want that reliability and all that stuff. But what they, what this car gives you, like I said, I was, my back was screwed, dude. And I met it comfortably. I did the same trip, very similar trip, the weekend after, the last year, in my cruiser. It hurt. That hurt. Blattfeder. Yeah, Blattfeder, my friend. <laughs> like, no, that hurt. And I was like, okay, interesting. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, we can't compare these two anymore. So I think when the 300 comes out and the G400, and if you compare those, I do actually think it's a very capable, capable car. Am I buying any of those? No, but that's not our market. But they've done a good thing. They're going to offend a lot of people in the Defender market, but those guys must remember the Defender never died. It's still there. Yeah. In Stellenbosch, I drove past it this morning. And there's, there must be 15 of them standing at a dealership. Old ones. Yes, yeah, overpriced, but they're still there. So the don't talk of- about the 1.5 million rand. You can go buy your 600,000 rand one and you still get the old thing perfect. The risk of pissing off the four by four enthusiasts in our audience. Let's uh, get on to let's take a quick break and then get on to just the tip. One hundred percent. We're back again. We've been talking a lot about four by fouring and overlanding and defenders and land cruisers and what's the best. But we're back, and this is just the tip. And we're going to start with Giovanni. What do you got for us, mate? Well, one of the one of the um, trick is to make copies of all the keys that you need for your car. Put them in like a nice duct tape and with some cable, uh, like cable tizer or wire and hide them under your car. Because that's something that, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, you might have to hand over your keys to prove that you are not, that you are a good boy, but then you can do the trick or whatever. You never know or you lose them and they, you know where they are. That is my first uh, kind of overlanding trip. That uh, uh, trick. The second one yep. could be yeah. The second one is to make certified copies of all the documents that you have, and when they stop you when you are overlanding, never hand over the original, like original of your passport or original of whatever, but hand over um, certified copy because that happened to me in different places in the world. You know, that yep. sometimes happened that like you that. find that you find some. Person, some policemen that they are not really, they, are, they don't have like a proper headache. So, you yeah. know, they try to take advantage. And, you know, once you end over certified cop, you can even put the first gears and, 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 and say, see ya to the policeman. 
and if the if the if the negotiation does not go nicely and which is that the third yeah are we at the second or the third 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 uh toilet paper always in on handy like on Great top tip, of dude. yeah Great like uh, yeah. like on top of everything you know all this stuff <laughs> yeah yeah because you never know you know especially you know with this kind of you know when you are overlanding when you're traveling is like or if food, you're in Australia in food, COVID times you can sell it for like the price of your car yeah, yeah. yeah. the food the temperature and this and that you never know you know, it's like you know it can be around the corner I love so, that yeah good one uh, that it was uh, and then let me think another tree, another one well this is too much classic probably a duct tape in handy but it is it's not even I mean yeah. people yeah, duct people, uh, people know it that yeah, yeah cable ties yeah, and yeah those kind yeah, of things no, no, uh, great, cable yeah. ties and duct tape but that's uh, not even like I don't think it's not even ah, we'll like take a it tip. As a four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then another, another one. Five. I might sound boring, <laughs> but uh, especially I discovered in uh, in South Africa that uh, or in other countries around South Africa that you know even like when you go through the border post, police the police hands over to you condoms and stuff like happened to me with my dad. We were driving, we were riding on motorbikes. We went from South Africa to Namibia, and the policeman and one police and police guy and the at the at the border post in Namibia hands over like probably 20, 30 condoms to my dad. And it was like, my dad, I look at me, I was like, what's, what's going on here? And then I have to explain to him all the story about you know, HIV and stuff. But I realized that uh, they can be very, uh, they, beside the, 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 the classic and heritage um, function, they can come in handy for a lot of other stuff. For sure, because, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, if We actually spoke about it on yeah. one of our podcasts. It might have, uh, it might have been um, erased from, uh, we might have been drunk in that one. Okay, so I'm going to change it. So the no, no, one no, that no, I, I agree with you. No. And another one that, came that I wanted to say, but it came to my mind only now because probably of the, the, the social lubricant that we, we went through, uh, it's the... Um, uh, is the um, if you can get hold of the manual, uh, the workshop manual of the vehicle that you are driving, not 100%. the man, not the owner's manual, but the workshop manual. There's a big difference between your owner manual. The, yeah, the, the, the workshop manual. The, is the workshop manual. manual. It, it will show you where what bolt goes, what part, part numbers, everything. And uh, if you get a digital copy, if you're lucky, you can actually type in the VIN number. Yeah or the part number and it will take yeah. you straight to that little thing and yeah, say this a ring and that that is uh, that's those are my five uh, yeah that's my five all right so okay so rob do you have anything better or you i mean come now man Listen, I'm not that was a good list i don't know if you have anything Italian. i mean god what where could i even begin <laughs> yeah uh, yeah tips um over overlanding um guys engage with the local population it's something, I think, when we travel, whether we travel to Europe, whether we travel to North America, whether we travel to the East, wherever, when we travel in Africa, there seems to be a bit of a South Africanism where people are just going on that, on that journey to see wildlife and to see locations. Um, there are people that live in that country. There are people that you can engage in these different cultures, and there's so many different aspects to that as well. And it's something I feel very strongly about. And I think this comes back from a lot of solo travel when you haven't, you aren't socializing a lot. And there's more to, to overlanding than going to backpackers and going to a campsite and meeting other overlanders. They're the local population that live there. Another thing that's come up and that's actually very close to my heart, well, that's, that's, that, that I've experienced just recently, is we all talk about, we know about tires, we know about tire pressures, and we all parate about it and we get involved with it. But second-hand tires, guys, be very, very careful. Guys, second-hand tires is a major, major issue. I always thought it was a bit of a marketing thing. 
in terms of you've got to replace the tires every four to five years, mm. what a, what a, what a, all that sort of number. So I actually had an experience where I actually gifted a set of tires to a friend of mine. I actually forgot how old they were because you keep on chopping and changing tires. So we don't, you don't keep track. Rubber, rubber does perish, even yeah. though they're sitting in the garage. I mean, my, my other half normal. had a set yeah. of Australian Blundstone boots that had been sitting there for five years. The rubber actually perished on them. Helmets, rubber inside yeah. the helmets, they've also got a lifespan. Yeah, I actually I took out an old Arai helmet the other day. Rubber had perished completely. So I always thought that the, the tire thing was a bit of a, you know, a, bit of, bit of, bit of a marketing, marketing ploy. But they do perish, and the friend of mine that I actually gifted them to, uh, it nearly cost him his life. Um, it, was, it was a blowout. The tires were very old. I would say they were probably over 10 years old. And just, oh, just be tires. very, very careful if you're going to be buying second-hand tires or you're going to be looking at your mate's tires and all that. Yeah. Just keep a keep a good eye on actually what uh, what age they are i mean that's that's a it's an important fact um yeah just a couple other little bits and little little tips um you know you, you see a lot of guys on expedition vehicles that will have what we used to describe as perforated steel planking and that came out in the second world war and you saw it on camel trophy vehicles and yeah. it's basically bridging ladders or traction attraction mats that you yeah. can actually have on the side i see the modern ones are sort of day glow orange that yeah, you can yeah, put yeah. down and you can use that yeah, as a traction yeah, mat things, yeah. quite frankly the cheap uh, scottish in me says you can do a lot better job and i've actually used it used this a quite quite a few times is if you go out and get um so what the, sort of like a it's a plastic hessian sack that you'll get at a oh, at, sure, at, yeah. at a co-op co yeah, yeah. that they'll transport to fertilize in have a couple of those in the vehicle and you can always use it as a mat you can lie down when you're changing something underneath the vehicle really? if you do need traction you take one of those fill it up with sand use a cable tie but fill it up about halfway and you can actually lay that down on the ground a couple of them and you can actually use that as a, as a, as a sand ladder or a traction mat yeah. and i find that actually quite quite useful it doesn't weigh a lot doesn't take up any space just a nice tip tip on in that regard um yeah final final little cheat um windshield wipers have given up the ghost were you driving in rain? I've, I've, I've experienced this when we've been on bikes and you don't have any rain or anything else. Potato skins. Yeah? Have you ever heard of that one? I, I feel like that's a little bit of a waste of potato, to be honest, because I love potatoes so much. I, I, I would rather well, like just stop and eat it's, my potatoes. It's, it's a waste if you, go, kidding, if you go off a cliff in the Alps and you, and you can't yeah, but see you, where you're your going. Your stomach is full of potatoes. <laughs> yeah. You died a good death, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. Davide Rossi, disclaimer, Davide is sleeping. So while he's talking, he's actually going to be speaking in his sleep. Go. Um, I think like, uh, well, first of all, everybody's covered pretty much the good points. I cannot stress enough, know where you're going and know the culture that you're getting yourself into. Know how to interact because that will save your ass more than, than anything else. Um, so when going into an adventure, you definitely have to be completely open um, to to what you to yeah. no, no. <laughs> what you're gonna get yourself into. Yeah, I agree. With um, you. That's a good one. I've I have I have had my fair share of of um, of run into customs and and roadblocks, and I 
mainly have two approaches. It's uh, one is a defensive and one is an offensive, but that's only you're going to get it if you open up to the conversation where you don't allow yourself to be uh, the victim and that you have everything in check. The other thing is because you're in adventure and because you don't know what's going to happen is you have to have access to your comfort um, in, uh, in, in a, sorry, you have to have easy access to your comforts. So, for example, if it's a cooler box with your ice beers, mm. cool, have it on top. If you like, <clears throat> just like me, um, having coffees at the most ridiculous and most inopportune moments, have access to it. So have access to at least a bag or a box where it's your comfort uh, when you go on a trip. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, actually, that, that's a great thing. It's like um, you can very easily pack your vehicle mm. two weeks, three weeks, one week before and live out of it for a little bit and realize don't don't have your sleeping bag at the bottom. That's the thing you're working every night. Yeah, like, right? exactly. So it's kind of like packing a, a, a travel bag. Yeah. Like why your raincoat's at the bottom because it's not raining all the time, mm -hmm. but your toiletry bag's at the top. Completely. Right? So yeah. Great and and yeah. like you were saying before, so your if it's your rescue equipment yeah. oh, or so, yes. yeah. then medical like have it has, out there. The medical yeah. kit cannot be in the bottom. No, sure. it should yeah, be basically thing. strapped to the passenger side dash like you know like just a little bug a bag bug bag third i feel that no matter where you travel just a little stash of cash maybe we miss understanding you or maybe you're not but i'll i'll add to that that i would say that um yes i actually do believe that a little cash stash is good but mm. not necessarily for african scenarios just because if everyone gets stolen that you still have a little bit of cash to get out of there, mm -hmm. but not in a bribery or, um, no, a, I would not use it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It was misunderstood the way you were telling it, us. It oh, sounded no. a little bit more. That's why I was saying. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. No, yeah, no. I didn't yeah, mean okay. that at all. No, okay. no, no. Sorry. My last trip no, no, no. was Malawi and you know, there's no, no ATM, there's happens. no this, sorry, there's no yes, that. No way. Cool. So yeah. it was just oh, like, you know, king. so for example, for three, four days, it was, um, public transport in the few days there and in a bit of research realized how much is public transport. You realize that it fluctuates because oh, yes. okay, of the cool. color of your skin, but not, and, and, yeah, and the distance and everything. Um, but the, there was, there okay. was an understanding okay. of how much distance was obviously cash is king. So no, no, I meant it that way. Um, okay. So to clarify, most of the time people have like, oh, go over the Namibian border or Zimbabwean border, have a little bit of uh, cash. No. Okay. So actually our fault, uh, apologies. A little cash dash is great. Is that four or five? That's three. No, it was four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Christmas time. Always travel with a panettone, please. Um, <laughs> okay. that's, that's bribery I mean, right there. I mean, this is... Hi guys, John here. So at this point of the conversation, we've been talking and drinking for about five hours and things start to get a little messy. So prepare yourselves for some swearing, slurring and cutty-cutty editing. No, <laughs> shut up, Giovanni. Drink a whiskey and shut the fuck up. Checking my notes. 
this is also just fresh notes because we have had some just that dipped. Um, once again, with the tools, have plugs uh, for the tires. Normal plugs, old school, what your grandfather used, no problem. Uh, with a defender on my trip last and on that, gators. So gators are big patches that goes inside the tire. So you do have to get inside. You do also get mushroom gators that you can buy from a truck shop. I do actually believe they are incredibly important. I haven't ever needed one until this last week where I needed, a, we collectively needed about 10, 20 of these things. They cost absolutely zero. To carry a tire, extra tire, there's a 5,000 Rand off-road tire versus for 5,000 Rand, how many gators, how many plugs and weights and everything. It's a big thing. So gators, uh, plugs, mushroom plugs, go to the truck guys, the, the guys that... And I, I include even just like Papa, we're, we're we're not geared to that kind of wheel repair. Go to the truck guys, like properly out Beaufort Vets, drive out to Clay Cryfontaine, go to the truck guy. How do you fix your tire? Industrial. Industrial, and that's what saved our, our asses this last weekend. Um, I have to just throw the umbrella in. Gotta have the umbrella within the overlanding and four by four thing. Umbrella might be little bit small we did actually use it over the weekend but shade we worked for 45 to hour and a half whatever on this tire everyone's in the heat we're fixing a tire but we're actually just killing ourselves out there so just shade you could also pull under a tree but when you're in the number there's no trees so shade is quite a nice thing for me so just awning whatever you got just get shade protect yourself before you fix the problem so make sure that you are safe Ach, just a quick one in there. That's not a. That's like a 3.2. Uh, the valves. Very few people actually travel with valves, and we've. Yeah, yeah, just spare valve. You've got the gators. You got the tires. You got the valve. Just a fucking two, three. It costs you literally zero. It's gonna have no way. Just keep it in your car. You can have it there for 20 years and never use it. And then 21 years. That's when you're gonna need it. Check your availability, and this is going back to my defender thing. Check the availability of your tires. Uh, I did it. I did it right, but it was a couple of hours too late. Uh, if you're going to Namibia, just see if there's tires there. If through Africa, we actually helped guys on my last trip with with a couple of tubes, and these guys were driving from Cape Town to Spain, and they already ran out of tubes and tires in Namibia. Just check what you got. Like it's easier to drive a little bit of a shittier tire with a little bit of less traction, but you know you're going to have it all the way to there rather than buying the Duratrax or the cool all-terrains, 16-inch rims, 17-inch rims. Uh, it's just a little thing to think about if you're doing full-on overlanding. If, you got, if you're trying to get Cape to Cairo, just what, what is the most available tire in Kenya? It's just interesting to know. You don't need to do that. 16 but. to 65. Uh, yep. Yeah, 750, 750, yeah. 60. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I learned recently is I've always built my compressor into my car. I've bolted it into my engine. It's always nice to have a be beautiful open bay, the old school cars, like you said. Put the compressor in the engine, put it to the engine. It's rugged. It's actually getting exposed to water, heat, yes. everything all the time. And that used to be like a cool thing, but a modern thing that I've learned very recently, just 
have it in a bag or in a little box inside the car. I can move it. I can very easily donor my compressor to somebody else, move it away. I can't drive into that scenario to go down, you know, to, to, to do inflation. I can just take it to him. He connects it to his thing, inflates his tire just to get out of the thing and we're cool. So just a, any compressor I would now, like it's used to be kind of cool to have it in the car, but now it's like just for me and my personal have it in a box, have it portable, because it helps a ton. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Thomas, I, I, I've also gone, gone that route. Also, mm. on, on the compressor thing, yeah. I've gone through so many different types of compressors. I've actually got the most expensive one you can actually buy in the box, the ARB. Stop shopping off. Sh- showing no, off. No, Stopping no, off. Shopping off. Oh, my gosh. No, I've had the, had the cheapies, been through them. Yeah, it does. Go for the expensive one in the box. Yeah, that, that's portable, big time. Just portable, yeah. Uh, obvious one is then for your compressor. So now we're adding stuff. So obviously, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, we, you, your electronics and your car communicate through fuses. Everything is through fuses, so always have fuses. But when you buy new shit, it's got a fuse. Your compressor's got a fuse. Your light's got a fuse. Things. So whatever you buy new if you got new rims make sure that your original oem spare tire uh, your uh, lever or your uh, your wrench fits because it might not your you've got 10 15 20 all these things but now your compressor actually takes a 75 or whatever it is just whatever you buy new make sure that that also has an extra part i've got proper screwed on that before like uh, my uh, my dad's car had a new rims on the farm, but mm-hmm. the original Toyota wrench didn't fit in. That's a 15-kilometer hike mm-hmm. out to, to get a wrench and back. That's 30Ks in the Karoo heat. Not so much fun. Uh, a quick one, uh, and I think it relates a little bit back to Rob's thing. Depends on how far you're going. If it's Cape to Cairo, a little bit of a different thing. Tell people where you're going and when you're going to arrive. Give them an estimate. I will say I will arrive around six. Worst case scenario, I'm going to stop for a coffee and a photo. It's going to be eight. If I'm not there by 12, we're, you need to come look for me. You know, like a little something like that. I'm driving this route. It's a bit, it's a, a slightly against the overland solo thing, but it helps. Uh, in America, I mean, if you think about that, what was the guy that had to cut his hand uh, arm off? Yeah, 127 hours. Oh, it was Jane Franco. Really? Yeah. Is that a prosthetic that he's wearing now? Yeah, it's latest technology. Sick. He's, uh, well done to him. <laughs> That's the last movie I want to be a method actor on. <laughs> um, also, shopping knife. It would have been easier. But it is something like if he just put a little... Stick on and uh, just wrote a note. Going for a three-hour hike, I'll be back soon on his car. People would have come to look for him. Um, go back to police, border control, all that stuff. I think unanimously, uh, we agree here, no bribery. Um, you give $10 here, it's going to become 20 50 whatever, and then you're eventually going to end up in jail for bribery, <laughs> which is ironic uh, in those scenarios. But... Um, Talk to them, be relatable, don't be uh, offensive or defensive, just chat, blah, blah, blah. But my main thing is just waste their time. If you know you're not wrong. If you broke the speed limit, problem. Pay the fucking fine. 
done. You made a mistake. But if he tells me I have too many lights, just say, cool. I'll park here, get your toolkit, make a coffee, and then just take it off. Halfway through, he'll let you through. They don't care. Your car's too dirty in Zimbabwe or your lights are too high. Just, uh, just, and I'm not saying waste their time. If they're being unreasonable, don't negotiate. There's no negotiation. Just waste the time or listen to them. Turn back, go fix the thing and just drive through. I find it to speak English is a really bad idea. Make up a language. <laughs> if you speak Italian on the Zimbabwean border or the Mozambique border, there's no way they can get a bribe out of you because you just don't understand. You actually do, but just, but never bribe. You're, you're literally going to end up in jail. Like rather just turn back. But most of the time you can actually get through a border without having to worry about that. Um, and then my last thing, just quick, if you buy a Defender, Land Rover, whatever the hell you want to buy, you want a Toyota, whatever, just, Go to the local dealership or phone the parts department. Have we spoken about this? Yeah. yeah we did, yeah. But okay. just again, just phone these guys up and say like, listen, what is the five most bought parts? Because those are the five parts that will break the most. Done. Yeah, yeah. But they will tell you that. They literally will go like, what is... You, most of these guys are sitting there punching numbers. They, they, you just walk into Toyota, you walk into Mercedes, and you're like, hey, listen, what's the thing you sell the most that breaks? And they'll give you a five list, buy that, and then maybe 10, whatever, and then you'll have it. And um, that's it. All right, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, that was uh, just the tip. That was the 4 by 4 experience with a lot of stories. But thank you very much, Albert. Your stories were amazing. It's a pleasure sharing nothing. <laughs> Rob, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Giovanni. Thank you, thank you. Thank you to invite me and to, to have me here. Take the mic away from him. Thank you. Davide, <laughs> uh, are you still awake? Here, here. Awesome. And John, as always, legend. Thank you. Thank you for dealing with our shit. This is just a tip the hard way, just like Papa Podcast. Good night.